quick no combo nation we recorded this one before yesterday's knicks raptors game just want you to keep that in mind combo nation a combo nation we are here combo nation <laughs> what is up everyone and welcome to episode 429 of combos court and i am combo you know what to do rate review and if you haven't already punch down on that subscribe but in today's show brian geltzeiler of sirius xm nba radio joins in to talk knicks basketball just a fantastic conversation with brian can't wait for you all to hear this one you could catch brian on sirius xm nba radio and nba tv intro music by luca beats let's get into it Luca don't do it to him Brian Geltzeiler of Sirius XM NBA Radio. Welcome to Combos Court. How are you feeling today, Brian? You must be feeling good. I mean, it's eight in a row for the Knicks. <laughs> well, I'm not, you know, listen, I'm an NBA atheist, uh, Andrew. I'm not, I, I, you know, I grew up a Knicks fan, but I certainly, you know, have kind of checked my fandom at the door when you cover the league and the way that I cover the league. And for as long as I have, um, I kind of have to, you know, make sure that that fandom doesn't invade the analysis and the opinion, so to speak. So, listen, Nick's playing great, fun to watch, but uh, in the end, doesn't mean a heck of a lot to me. You're preaching to the choir because I'm a fan of no team myself, and I, I like to say unbiased. So, with that said, um, eight in a row for the Knicks. What has been the big- biggest adjustment for Tibbs, for the team? Did they turn the corner, or do you feel this is just a blip? Well, all right. So a couple of things. First of all, schedule's been somewhat friendly. Um, you know, you end up, you get Golden State in there last night um, and without Steph Curry, without Andrew Wiggins, that's a much easier version of Golden State. It's just they've had the Bulls twice who were bad. You know, stuff like that. Schedule's been kind to them. Tom's narrowed down the rotation to nine guys. And I think that's been very, very important for whatever reason. The rhythm of guys playing together is better with that number nine. In the in the face of an Obi Toppin injury, he's given Jericho Sims some of those minutes. That has worked out well. Putting Grimes in the starting lineup certainly has worked out well. He's been very good defensively. But listen, for as well as Cam Reddish played earlier in the year, Tom was down on him. A lot of mistakes made, and and Cam's a guy that that delivers an attitude. And, and I think Tom looked at this and felt like he needed guys to buy him. And then the other big move has been deciding, hey, you know what, Derrick Rose at his this stage of his career doesn't have a lot to offer defensively, and Miles McBride's got a lot to offer defensively. So Tom, Tom started to prioritize defense. Brunson has continued to be consistently terrific. Julius Randle looks like the Julius Randle that was all NBA two years ago. And listen, the one other thing, and this is the guy that's so key to this whole operation, the one other thing that's happened here is R.J. Barrett has started to play better basketball during this winning streak. And Listen, so much of what is going to happen with the Knicks based upon is Tom and the job long term. Is Leon Rose in his job long term? 
Does RJ end up with the team long term? All of this is going to be based on how well RJ Barrett plays. That's Tom's got the single biggest investment in him. Leon Rose has a single biggest investment in him. Listen, Leon Rose passed on Donovan Mitchell to give RJ Barrett a contract extension. Everything that happens with RJ Barrett is going to have a direct effect on Leon Rose. Leon Rose. That is not lost on anybody within that organization. So now during this winning streak, the seven game winning streak, RJ Barrett has played really, really well on both ends of the ball. He needs to be one of their best rebounders. He needs to be their best perimeter defender and he needs to be their third best scorer. He's been all of those things during this winning streak. And that's probably the single biggest reason they've played as well as they have. Do you feel Jalen Brunson has unlocked something for Julius Randle or just more of a shift in mentality for Julius? I think both. I, you know, understand something about last year's version of Julius Randle. His two best friends in the team were Reggie Bullock and Alfred Payton. Now, Alfred Payton wasn't delivering much on the court by the end of the season, and you would understand why they wouldn't bring him back. But this is an organization that prioritized bringing back Alec Burks over Reggie Bullock. Think about that. And that is something that I know that Randall did not look upon kindly at all because of his relationship with Bullock and how he felt Bullock helped the team much more than how Burks helped the team. The other thing that happened last year is, you know, halfway through the season, Kenny Payne left to go take the Louisville job, another one of Randall's allies. So Randall felt like the organization kind of didn't pay him the respect of having people around him that he was comfortable with in the way that they had the year before. Now enter Jalen Brunson. Two of these guys had a relationship that predated Brunson joining the Knicks. They like playing together a lot. They bring the best out in one another. So I think it's a combination thereof. I think the fact is, is that whether, listen, they were bringing Brunson to the Knicks, whether Julius Randle liked it or not. The fact that Julius Randle liked it made him feel a little more valued there. And Brunson's got a way of bringing everybody together just in terms of how he goes about his business day over day. So I think a lot of this had to do with the Randall Brunson relationship is important. But I also think it was the fact that last year and how they how Randall felt disrespected and the fact that they didn't bring his people back around. him. I think it's a combination of the two. Do you think now Randall is definitely in the long term? future because I feel like it's so hot and cold when it comes to I mean it's mostly the fan base saying this thing but whenever he's playing well Julius Randle's the greatest then when he's not playing so well we want to trade him do you feel like Julius Randle will finish his career as a Nick even though that's tough to say in the NBA because there are so many moving pieces well, I think he, so. Let's let's kind of parse that out a little bit. I think he's in their long term plans. Who knows if he finishes his career as a Nick or not? But he's definitely in their long term plans right now. He's played his way into their long term plans. We're going to see a lot about what the Knicks are planning for the future in this group and how they react here over the course of the next seven weeks coming into the trade deadline. Because the reality is that there are going to be plenty of players available the trade deadline. The race to the bottom to get. To the bottom four teams to get in the mix for Victor Wembayama is going to be something that is we're going to see. It's going to get a little ugly, but you're going to see teams enter this fray like Chicago. And that means that DeRozan, Vucevic, potentially Levine will be available. The Washington Wizards. What does that mean? That means Kuzma will be available. That means Porzingis will be available. That means Bradley Beal will potentially be available. A team like Charlotte. Now Charlotte will keep LaMelo Ball but Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward will be available. Like So you're going to see all these guys come available. Let's see what the Knicks do and how they react. I know this. The Knicks, two years ago, when DeMar DeRozan was traded to the Chicago Bulls in that sign-and-trade deal with the Spurs, the Knicks were in the mix for DeMar DeRozan. 
And in the end, they chose to have a limited price tag on what they were going to give him contract-wise. And it's one of the reasons they didn't get him. I know within the Nick organization, there was some regret in seeing what DeRozan did for the Bulls. You inject DeRozan onto this Nick team, it changes the calculus for this group in terms of what they can do in the Eastern Conference. So I think they can go to an NBA final. Probably not, but does it graduate them to being a team that all of a sudden could win a round and potentially have something to build off of for next year with your young guys getting better and another veteran next to Randall at this point? Absolutely. And, and I think that is really the important that, that's going to be the important thing to see how the Knicks react with all of these star level players are going to be available. OK, yeah, these stars will become available. But in your opinion, who should the Knicks prioritize keeping out of their young players? Well, all right. So I'm not trading and I know the Knicks feel this way, too. I'm not trading Quentin Grimes to go get DeMar DeRozan. I, that's not something I'm going to do right now. Grimes is their best perimeter defender. If you go trade for DeMar DeRozan, Grimes is still their best perimeter defender. So you don't want to, that's not the guy you want to move out of. I, I think you have, like you asked me earlier, is Julius Randle in the long-term plans? If Julius Randle is in the long-term plans, and I believe that he is, then Obi Toppin's a trade piece. And Obi Toppin's a guy, if you're going to plan on keeping Tom Thibodeau as your head coach, Obi Toppin's a guy that's never really going to have a massive role under Tom. Just because Obi Toppin has a nasty habit of cherry picking and wanting to run out on breaks, and he's a 6'10 power forward, that Tom would like to get defensive rebounds. And Toppin continues to have that habit. Good offensive player. And, and an offensive player that's got some upside, it could certainly get better for this group. But I, I, I just I think that's the guy that goes. And then the other guy that could go here, and he's played very well for them this season, is Emmanuel Quickly. Wow. Um, he's been he's been really good this season quickly. But mm -hmm. I know the Knicks last year shopped him at the trade deadline. They shopped him over the summer, and no one would give him a first-round pick for him. Now, potentially here, if you're going to go in a DeRozan type of deal or – a deal for any of those other guys that I mentioned. Obviously, Kuzma would be out of that mix because the Knicks are all set at the four. But some of those other guys, even if Bradley Beal decided he wanted to be moved from Washington and the Knicks wanted to get in the mix, I can promise you quickly is going to be in those deals. I, listen, quickly is a strange kind of player, and he played really well this year. And I don't want to be critical of him because he really has done a very nice job defensively. And he's given the Knicks some offensive punch off the bench, which they've desperately needed. He's also a 6-1 guard that doesn't really play point guard. And that's a weird fit in the NBA. And I know other teams kind of look at him that way and, and wonder about him a little bit, but you also kind of feel like he's played well enough here that, that somebody could be interested. The other thing with him is, you know, listen, he's on a rookie scale deal. He's not going to be on a rookie scale deal that much longer. And the truth of the matter is what are his salary demands going to be when it comes time for him to go into, into a second contract. And that. That I know the Knicks have concerns about that. A team trading for him have concerns about it also. But to me, if you're going to go make a deal, Grimes is off the table. Your lead young pieces are going to be topping him quickly. That's interesting you say that about quickly because, yes, he's a six-foot-one player who doesn't play point guard. It seems like the archetype for his position on a contending team, hopefully one day for him, would be like a six-man type role. Yeah, listen, and, and I think that's what how the Knicks have used him, which I think is yeah. great. He's a, he's a guy that can come in and heat up for you. He certainly guards his position well. He's not the greatest decision maker with the ball in his hands still, but when he certainly can score and score in many ways and score creatively and score off the bounce and, and when he's got his shooting going, he can be very effective in that role. But, you know, what, you, what are you looking at? 
you're looking at a guy that's, you know, kind of a poor man's Lou Williams type of guy. Do you know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. I think for the, and so, and, and what are you paying that guy? And, and that's what I think the Knicks are looking at. Like, listen, Emmanuel quickly at 8 million a year. Well, great. But is he, is he's going to want double that? Do you want to pay him double that for the role that you just mentioned? Probably not. And and so I think the Knicks, when it comes time to go out there and make some kind of deal, I don't think they're going to hesitate to put Emmanuel quickly as a player asset into a deal if they think that can help them get ready, get, get better now. Keep in mind for the Knicks, the valuable assets, the most valuable assets that they have are Grimes, Barrett, and all of their own picks. All of the other picks that they have have protections on them which doesn't make them as valuable. The Knicks are going to want to hold on to their own picks because they could send them somewhere as unprotected if that star guy comes available, as they could do with a Grimes or a Barrett, certainly a Barrett now at this elevated salary level. I mean, the key poison pill this year couldn't be traded during the season this season, but starting next summer, he could certainly be traded. So I think those are the assets that you want to protect with everything you have. And I think you could get DeRozan at his age from Chicago without having to part with any of those assets. So you feel Brunson and Randall are more untouchable than RJ? Um, I get, well, I don't, so untouchable is, I don't think anybody's untouchable on the whole team. Okay. Brunson's the closest thing you have to untouchable. I said more, me, more, somebody, more untouchable. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody made you a meaningful enough offer for Randall, you would put him in the deal. I think it depends who you're getting back and, 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 and who you would want. You know, we don't, it's going to be hard to kind of pigeonhole and look at what stars are going to be available. But, you know, let's say, like, listen, Zach Levine comes with a buyer beware tag, right? So for Zach Levine, it's you worry about the knee and he's just signed this huge contract. But let's say Zach Levine proves the knee to be healthy and, and you decide you want to go after him and get him. And that's a place where RJ could be a lead piece next summer to be able to go out there and, and bring in a Zach Levine. So I, I don't know necessarily is one is more touchable, untouchable than the other, as much as it depends what you're going out there and you're looking to trade for. Listen, if the decision would be made next summer that the Lakers are going to move Anthony Davis and the Knicks want to get in the mix there. Well, that may be a situation where Randall is more of a lead piece than Barrett, depending upon what the Lakers want, because LeBron's there. So it, it just it totally depends upon who the player is that you're pursuing in terms of what the Knicks use as a lead piece in a deal. AD is an unbelievable talent. I saw him sprain his ankle. I've been playing basketball for a very long time, Brian. I saw him sprain his ankle in a way that I've never seen before. It was midair. His, his foot, like, Barely touched the guy's leg and he twisted his ankle. I'd never seen anything like that in my life. I, I hope the best for him, but it's just tough with him when it comes to his injuries. It's very tough for him. And and that's why Charles Barkley calls him street clothes. You know, I mean, and the guy just doesn't he, – he has a very difficult time staying on the floor. He's got this weird habit that he falls a lot when he's on the floor. His style of play, for him to be at his most effective, he has to be reckless to a degree. And I think that's mm-hmm. part of the problem. Anthony Davis careful is not the same kind of player as Anthony Davis reckless. Anthony Davis reckless is a wrecking machine. And and we just saw the period of time, how great he could be. Well, we just came up, not how good he could be, how great he could be. The problem is he will only sustain that for 10, 15, 20 games at a clip before something happens. And, and that's the issue. And if I'm the Knicks and Anthony Davis is available, I'm going to tra- – if I'm anybody, forget about the Knicks, if I'm anybody, and I'm looking at trading a massive package for Anthony Davis, I'm going to think twice. I'm going to worry very much. And not even necessarily about having to do a physical and see how he is and, and make sure his health is okay. 
there's always going to be something else that comes up. That's just the nature of the beast here. And, and I think for the Lakers, it puts them in a very unenviable position right now as they try to maximize the last year's LeBron James's career. Use the word reckless. Speaking of reckless, Mitchell used to be reckless, and I'm talking about Mitchell Robinson, and now I feel like he's more disciplined. Can you speak to his discipline this season? I, you know, I, I just think he's become a better positional defender, and, and mm-hmm. I think that was something, you know, you, you would watch a player, and this guy's not in the league anymore. And it's amazing when you go back and look at his basketball reference page, but Hassan Whiteside is a guy I always use as a cautionary tale. Because you go look at Whiteside's basketball reference page, and you're like, holy crap, those are really good numbers. Look at his rebound numbers. Look at his block numbers. Like, they're good numbers, right? He's a horrible positional defender. He's out there chasing blocks. He doesn't box out on rebounds, so he's chasing rebounds. So, of course, the stats are going to look good, but he breaks down your entire defense, not only before the ball goes up, but when the ball's in the air. You look at Mitchell Robinson, and frankly, he was with that and the fouls, he was on the road to being that. Tom has made him a smarter player. He doesn't gamble as much. He's getting smarter. I mean, he has his moments of foul trouble still, but he's getting smarter with not committing fouls. He's a much more physical rebounder than he used to be in the younger years of his career. And maybe the numbers aren't as gaudy as he had in some of the games he had last year, but the play is more effective. He's doing a lot better. The other thing that has helped him be able to be as effective is that there's these moments where they're going to say, you know what, this isn't working with you. We're going to go to Hartenstein. And Hartenstein's been really good for them. Hartenstein's one of the more underrated players in the league. You know, I know executives around the league love him. I know the Clippers wanted to keep him last year, but the Knicks paid him more than what the Clippers could afford to pay him for their for their uh, exception. So, like, and having Hartenstein there has allowed Tom to have the luxury to when it's we don't get the good version of Mitchell Robinson to sit him down for periods of time, and that's created a more disciplined player in Robinson. So I think having the other option there in Hartenstein, listen, they, they intended it last last couple of years with Nerland's Noel. He just couldn't stay healthy and stay on the floor. Hartenstein's a different kind of guy, and, and, and he's a viable option at Mitchell Robinson, and frankly, it's a little fire under Robinson's butt. Is it fair to say that Hartenstein is becoming a fan favorite? I remember watching him in summer league, and he was just great. I thought he's been a great player for a long time. Um, no, listen, he's, I don't know, great's a tough word to use when it comes to him. Well, for um, his role, for his role, I meant not, you know, it's not an NBA, not an NBA great. No, no, but he's, a, <laughs> but he's a good, he's a good backup five. And, and it's hard to find in this league, a guy that's a good backup five. It just is, you know? Yeah. So like it, it's, and, and he, he's the thing about him. If you look at his efficiency numbers, he looks wonderful on a spreadsheet. Okay, his plus minuses are very good. He's an excellent positional defender. He switches very nicely in pick and roll. He'll stay in front of guys. And offensively, he doesn't take a lot of bad shots. The shots he takes that he cleans hits, up, he smart cleans up a ball, little bit. Yeah, cleans up a little bit. You yeah. can run some dribble handoff stuff with him high, and he's smart with the ball. It's just a combination of little things that he does well to add up to a good player. And and it's listen, it's been two years, nine million dollars for this guy. It's a bargain. It's a bargain deal. And, and you give Leon Rose credit for grabbing this guy because it, it really helps what they're doing a lot. And listen, it's allowed them to bring Sims along a little bit slower as opposed to having to throw him into a role that maybe he wasn't ready for. How many Knicks this season do you be, do you believe will become All-Stars? Do Randall and Brunson get the nod? And what do they have to do for the rest of this half of the season to get there? It's, you know, listen, I, I let's start with Brunson. 
So go through guards in the East. I mean, who's going to be an all-star with guards in the East? I don't know Mitchell. that either of the Philly guys are going to be all-stars. Donovan Mitchell will be an all-star. Is anybody from Boston going to be an all-star? Probably not. Drew Holiday will be an all-star on the wall. If, Bro- if Brogdon got more minutes, maybe. <laughs> um, potentially, yes. But Halliburton's <laughs> going to be an all-star from yes. Indiana. He deserves to be there. You know, uh, who's your fourth guard? I can't say it's going to be Kyle Lowry from Miami. You know, you start to end, could yeah. it be Kyrie Irving? It could be Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving, when he's played, has certainly played well enough to be an all-star. My point is Brunson's on that bubble. He's definitely going to be considered. He definitely, we could find a spot where he is going to be there. So, you know, I definitely think that that Brunson's on the fence. I think it's going to be tougher for Randall. I just think there's, you know, when you start to look at the forwards that are going to be there, Giannis, Durant, Jason Tatum, like you can start to fire through these guys and realize that it's going to be much tougher for Julius Randle to have that chance to be there. You know what I mean? So I think Brunson's probably got the better chance. So eight in a row for the Knicks, as I mentioned, we'll take this full circle. What do they have to do to keep this streak going? They have a couple teams struggling for the next two. And what can they learn? I mean, everybody always talks about learning from your losses, but what could they learn from this winning streak to continue winning the basketball games? Well, first of all, I, I think that one of the, the big keys to this stretch run for the Knicks has been the fact that they have executed very well down the stretch of games. And and I think that Jalen Brunson is really the guy that makes that whole thing go. You know, we complained for years, no point guard, no point guard, no point guard, Knicks no point guard. And listen, last year you had Alec Burke spend the second half of the year as your point guard. And, and if we're being frank about it, it was a mess. Brunson has stabilized the position. Brunson makes smart decisions. Brunson's a fantastic shooter. He will score inside. He will score outside. He plays the game off two feet. He's just a smart, skilled basketball player. And all you need to know about what Jalen Brunson brings to the table is how badly the Mavericks are struggling in his absence and how they that them not having him next to Luka has been their single biggest problem this season. So I think you look at their late game execution and you feel very good about it. The other thing is the way they have defended. Their defense has been really, really good. Randall's been engaged on that. And Brunson's not the strongest defender, but the Barrett-Grimes combination has been able to shut teams' wings down. And Mitchell Robinson and, and Hartenstein are playing very well in the back line. So I think you look at those two things, if you can sustain this level of defense and execute down the stretch of games, because the Knicks play well enough night in and night out to be in a lot of close games. And the difference in this winning streak is they've become a very good team in close games. And, and I think that's something that they have to maintain going forward, just those smart levels of execution. But again, it's Brunson's head that everybody kind of falls into line off of. You know, I, I'd rather not see some of the Randall isolations late in games. The ball, the more the ball's in Brunson's hands, the better it's going to be for the Knicks in these late-game situations. What result of this season would make it a win for the Knicks in general? Like, obviously, when we're talking about the Bucs, the Celtics, they're all about a championship. If they don't win a championship, it's a bust for those teams. But for the Knicks, what would that be? Don't be a playing team. Be a top six team. I'll live with you losing in the first round, but be a top six team, and that's progress off of last year. Just if you get stuck in the playing, that becomes a little bit harder. That becomes a little yeah. bit more difficult. So you, you, I, never, I you never want to get stuck in the middle, right? No, and well, and I think the Knicks' biggest problem has been that they've gotten stuck in the middle here. Right. And that's why this winning streak has been such a revelation because the before the winning streak, the conversation was what? Maybe the Knicks should be starting to sell off pieces and tank for Webb and Yama. 
and get in the mix there. But this winning streak has kind of changed that calculus as well as, no, this looks like a team maybe that you want to add to. And maybe the path to the top is the faster one to take than to break this whole thing down and make it all about the young guys. I think the other key to all of this is the role that the young guys are playing in this success. Keep in mind, Brunson's only 24, 25 years old, right? Brunson's not an older player. Even Randall at 28, as your grizzled vet, is not an older player here. Mm -hmm. But look at the young guys that you're doing this with. You know, Barrett at 23, Grimes at 22, Emmanuel quickly at, at, at 22 years old. You know, these guys have really, these younger guys have really been able to help and, and, and make a major contribution. Mitchell Robinson at, at 23 years old. So you're doing this with a good core group of younger players and which makes it a little bit easier as long as you're not doing the full future sacrifice to add a vet to the mix that's why i keep going back to the same name to me if chicago becomes a seller and i think that's likely the Knicks should be first in line for demar Derozan. and you know as long as you keep barrett grimes and all of your own picks I, I would I would be great with bringing in DeMar DeRozan to this team to play in that Grimes spot and make either Grimes or Barrett a sixth man. So something like that. That, to me, would be the best way to go. And you just have another guy that makes shots down the stretch late in games to compliment Randall and Brunson. Now, listen, DeRozan can't guard a chair, and you have to be aware <laughs> of that. So, you know, you, that's another reason why you don't wouldn't want to move Grimes and Barrett form because you would need to have times that he'd be on the floor with both those guys in some smaller lineups so maybe randall at the five just to be able to to, to, to um, defend the perimeter a little bit better but to me that's the guy to keep an eye on because i think when you look at the knicks potentially being in a playoff mix this year and they're giving the indication they very well can be in a very tough eastern conference a guy like DeRozan on their team elevates them and makes them a really tough out for the boston milwaukee's philadelphia's and brooklyn's of the world Excellent insights, Brian. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you? Social media, everywhere else? Sirius XM uh, NBA Radio? Sirius XM NBA Radio. You can get me on Twitter at BGELTS NBA. That's B-G-E-L-T-Z NBA. And you can also see me around once or twice a month. You catch me on NBA TV. Um, I do their, uh, their uh, let me just think this right, their FanDuel Bet Insights segments mm. i do a couple of those a month and you'll catch me also on the nba bet stream sponsored by DraftKings sportsbook where we do games on the nba app from a from a, a betting angle so uh you can get me in all those spots brian thanks so much for taking the time you're always welcome back on the show and talk soon you got it my pleasure take care andrew there it was yet another episode of combos court big shouts to brian for joining in we appreciate you share this episode share with a friend share it on twitter Facebook, share it on your IG stories and tag me on there at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. You can catch me on Twitter at Combo's Court, same name as the podcast. If you would like to receive bonus Combo's Court content, check out the Combo's Court Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. And be on the lookout for episode 430, Combo Out.